0: 10,000. Rick. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Eric France and Jason Walker here in the Full Court Press. And uh, a little bit of Cavino and Rich, too, apparently. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a little weird technical issue. We got it figured out here in studio. Uh, it's mostly
1: because we choose the last possible second to walk into the <laughs> studio because we both do a lot of other things. <sighs> and then we're like, oh, yeah, let's do the radio show at 3.59 and 30 seconds. <laughs> we start walking <laughs> I know.
0: Uh We will be better. New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> yeah, that should
1: be our New Year's resolution. <laughs> show up in the studio at 3.58 instead of
0: 4.01. <laughs> Give time proper time to get studio ready for live broadcast. It should be pretty basic, but uh, apparently that's not how we operate here. <laughs> Can't make it too easy. Uh, so a couple different things to discuss here on the show today. Um, one is uh, a nice win for Utah State on the road at Air Force and doing it in a way that you win the game without scoring a field goal in the last, what, eight and a half, nine minutes of the game? Yeah, it
1: was uh, officially eight minutes and 39 seconds. That, that was incredible. when Taylor Funk made a three, put the Aggies up sixty one 62-51. They win the game 77-65. And
0: yeah, they still win the game by double digits.
1: Yeah, their lead grew from the end of the game. From that moment, when they are up by 11. Their lead went up. Over the last nine minutes, despite not making a
0: field goal, that is bizarre. But you
1: didn't really notice because they were shooting. You know, you know. I I noticed because it. You know, my my stat broadcast was yelling it at me. The Aggies haven't made a field goal, and such and such, and they're like one over their last whatever. But watching the game, you wouldn't think that as much because they're scoring a lot of points. Like Taylor Funk after the game was like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize that because they scored 15 points. Over the last nine minutes, which isn't a bad rate of scoring for a nine-minute stretch, especially in a slowed, you know, a slow it down game, that only had like 62 possessions. Like if you look at a per possession scoring basis, this is a good game for the Aggies. Like if they get their usual 71, 72 possessions, it's bordering on 90 points if you do the math there. So they had a good offensive game overall.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, a great, great first half jumped out. Um, built a nice lead, uh, took control of the game, imposed their will. I mean, whatever else you want to say, uh, you know, it was a it was a really solid first half out of the Utah State Aggies last night in Colorado Springs, and not to say that the second half was was bad, but you know, it's they've historically struggled there at uh, at Klune Arena, and. Um, it can be, for whatever reason, a, a challenging place to play. And eventually Air Force was going to make their move in the game, and they did. But Utah State didn't didn't really panic. They found other ways to still get points. Yeah, the thing is that
1: while Air Force made its move,
0: I know I wrote the title
1: of Utah State Weathering an Air Force Comeback, but when the comeback only gets to seven points, like, how much of a comeback is it really? Like, I guess it is because it goes from 21 to 7. So there is some aspect yeah. of a comeback. Yeah, but this game, w- move. this game was never in jeopardy, though. It felt like, oh, crap, it, like, you know, it's going to collapse and Air Force going to come back and, like, tie it even take a lead. Never happened. Uh, sure, you know, Air Force at one point, they made, like, 7 of 9 field goals for a stretch early in the second half. But the Utah State shut Air Force down. You know, over those, again, those last nine minutes, that, that nine-minute stretch where Utah State didn't make a field goal, Air Force made, like, three field goals. They went, like, three of nine or something like that. So Air Force, for a stretch, shot pretty well. But outside of a stretch that was probably, like, six or seven minutes in the first part of the second half, Utah State shut down the Air Force offense. Now, I mean, Air Force got some talented kids. Um, They're young. You could see that. It'll be very interesting where you always have to put the caveat of transfer portal, because um, kids can transfer away from Utah or from Air Force, although it's a bit different, and they can't transfer in. Yeah. But they can transfer out after like two or three years, I think. So if they stick around, that's going to be a team that's going to look pretty good. They've got some talented kids. They lack some height in some areas, but they play well enough. I mean, in the first half, Air- Utah State was owning the rebounding. And they uh, scored like thirty-two points in the paint in the first half. I think Air Force might have just about out rebounded Utah State in the second half. And Utah State only scored like four points in the paint in the second half. So Air Force has it in them to defend despite its own height. So it'll be interesting to see how Air Force does going forward. And overall it's a you know it's a solid win for Utah State on the road. You mentioned they've struggled. They're now nine and seven all time. Um at Air Force, which contrasts their 15-0 and 0 perfect record against Air Force at home. And you look at how hard it is to get a win on the road in the Mountain West, who did New Mexico just lose to? <laughs> on the road.
0: Yeah. yeah. So man.
1: it's it, it's a trick, you know. New Mexico loses to Fresno State on the road. You, you There is no guaranteed road win in this conference. U- Utah State found that out last year facing Air Force. New Mexico just found it out here, and uh, Utah State had to, you know, Play pretty well just to get a double-digit uh, win on the road against a pretty low-rated
0: Air Force team at the moment. Uh, Funk six of eleven overall, kind of getting his scoring back uh, going again. And uh, found it an interesting. One of the things that he said after the game is that he never felt like he was in a slump. He never felt like he was cold. I mean, it was pretty clear that he was, but in his own mind, you know, he didn't 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 sound like he ever. Uh, accepted that or or believed that he just kept shooting the ball and and great shooters great scorers will just continue to shoot and eventually it does come back to them
1: yeah and there's a difference between knowing you're in a slump Taylor Funk knew he was in a slump and then there's believing it and I don't think Taylor Funk believed it he was true to himself saying look I'm a good shooter and I will continue to shoot yeah I know those numbers on the page mean that I'm shooting poorly right now, but that does not mean I'm a poor shooter right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I think that's where Taylor Funk, you know, is coming from here's His confidence says, "Yeah, those numbers on the page are there, but that's not who I am. I will continue to shoot and I'll continue to shoot well." And he comes back, you know, it's only 2 for 4, but still for a guy that was shooting 11% over the last 3 games and like, you know, below 30% over like 4 or 5 games from beyond the arc. Yeah, from beyond the arc. Um it's nice to see him at least go two for four, <laughs> make a couple. And he's been working his shot inside the arc pretty well. And that's where he started against Air Force. He was making shots inside the three-point line, getting some layups, get a floater. He made a mid-range jump shot. Get something going, get the ball to the hoop. Then finally get that shot from deep to fall. Finally get things going and give Utah State you know, a dangerous part of its offense back that it hasn't had for a
0: couple weeks now. So uh apparently our, our stream is down <laughs> again. That's... It was down yesterday. Uh we'll we'll look into that. We'll try to get that fixed real quick. I
1: don't know what's going on.
0: Uh yeah. Sorry about that. But thank you, Piranhas, for letting us know. Um, but we'll uh we'll, we'll get on that.
1: Are we getting this on uh Twitter?
0: Uh on the on the Twitter, but also on the text line. I know we did get one on the same, text line. Same person.
1: Oh the same guy?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, so. not not fun no uh, but you know what with um you know Taylor his return to form uh, especially doing that on the road that that's always impressive that's always good but uh I mean help off the bench from Ashworth again with 15 but then another performance that's pretty typical of USU where Shulga has 11 Baristow has 11 Hamota <laughs> has nine Akin has nine uh, I mean that's Pretty typical of this Utah State men's basketball team this year. Uh, I, I did like Hamoda and just how he continues to progress. Yeah, he has some moments, uh, you know, four turnovers led the team. Well, I guess he was tied with Shulga for four turnovers, but he'll have moments where he makes plays that you're like, yeah, okay, he's not as refined. But you look at how he is progressing as a basketball player and I, I'm excited for his future in an Aggie uniform, just where he is compared to where he was earlier on.
1: Yeah, you know, that's something I've been saying for a little bit, especially when we've seen these these bright flashes. Okay, remember, he's going to have bad moments. Even in a game where he has good moments and bad moments. You know, look at Hawaii, he had this, you know, pretty overall bad games. Then against uh Fresno, he has an overall really good game. Didn't really make any major mistakes. Um <clears throat> But then he uh then he overall he uh you know in this last game, he plays decently well, um you know get gets a decent amount of points, has some good defensive possessions, but does you know have some some iffy turnovers, and that's something that you're gonna have with Zehimmoda this year, he's a sophomore, he came in as a raw prospect, he's not one of these prospects that. You know, maybe his strength is, you know, already knowing the game really well. You know, Stephen Ashworth came in as an already fairly savvy and scrappy player. And overall, fairly clean, good shooter. Zihimo didn't come in like that. He came in as a bit more of a raw prospect. And he's already made leaps and bounds. He's far and away better than he was last year. He's able to control the ball. He's got a tighter handle. <clears throat> and he's just overall a better player. And that... That progression is going to continue to grow. He's going to continue to do well here at Utah State. Uh, he's going to get a tighter handle. He's going to have a better. He's going to do better at uh, not committing so many travels. He's not going to have as many bad passes. They'll still happen, but everybody you know throws bad passes every now and again. So you know with Z Hamoda, you're going to get those moments. You're going to get a lot of the positive moments, and overall he's being a net positive. So that's that's the uh, that's the idea. So for those of you. Uh, we're trying to figure out our radio. Uh, apparently, the FM channel went down, or something went wrong. I don't know. And the stream went down. We we are trying to notify our technicians and figure it all out. But oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Eric, you
0: stepped out, and uh, uh, well, I stepped out because I got a a call from uh, somebody that we've been trying to uh, <coughs> arrange an interview with today. Oh yes. And he is available right now. Oh. So give me one second here as I get him lined up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do this. So you'll need to fill a little bit more time. Okay. (laughs) But apparently uh, 106.9 is off. That's not great. No? So 1390 AM. We should still be good there. Hopefully our our stream gets back up and running as well. I did notify some people about our uh, streaming situation, so hopefully that gets rectified quickly.
1: Yeah, but just, just looking at the – you mentioned the balanced scoring, and that's something that a few days ago I looked this up, and so I don't know if the the list is current, but it was like the players or the teams that had at least five players averaging 10-plus points per game. And actually I managed to find the list I made. Again, I don't know if this list is completely accurate, um, cuz it's been a few games for some of these teams maybe some of them dropped off but let's see 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 there's there's 12 teams as of uh, i think earlier this week that have that have at least 5 players averaging 10 plus points and for the Aggies you look at their their uh their team they've got Stephen uh, Steven Ashworth Just under 17 a game, Taylor Funk at 13.5, Dan Akin at 12, Max Shulga at 12, and Sean Berstow at 10.7. So you've got really balanced scoring. And these are guys, several of them can go out and get their own bucket. Not the greatest collection of isolation scores, but you have a lot of guys who are capable of creating offense. I think that's something that's a bit different from last year's team. Because last year's team, we say, okay, we've got guys who can score. A Justin Bean. Uh Brandon Horvath can kinda get some points. And obviously Stephen Ashworth is on that team uh as well playing a, a solid role. And, and and Sean Barrister was there, but really these are some guys that can go out there and get a bucket. Stephen Ashworth can make you know get to the free throw line. <laughs> Even though he doesn't shoot the ball very well inside, he can go get uh he can go get points. <coughs> um And, you know, Max Schogler, he's the guy that can get to the free throw line. He's the guy that can create a little bit in isolation. Again, they're not the greatest isolation scores. But they can go out and get buckets when they need them. And they don't just rely entirely on just always, you know, pass the ball around hope somebody's open. Kind of like what last year's team was, where it's just hope somebody's open. They can make a shot if they're open, but nobody can create their own open shot. But this year's team can create their own open shot as individuals
0: and as a team. Uh, let, let's uh, let's keep talking basketball, but let's take it back a few years. Uh, in fact, let's take it back about a decade, shall we? Back in uh, early December two thousand twelve, um, Utah State basketball had an experience similar to one that's being played out on national media uh, this week with what happened with Demar Hamlin on Monday Night Football, and for for us close to home, it was Danny Berger who had a cardiac incident uh, in a practice and uh, it was a pretty traumatic situation uh they were preparing for BYU who they were going to play the next day that game got postponed I think it even got canceled I don't know if it ever got remade uh, or made up and, and replayed uh but uh, one of the guys who was on the scene and really saved Danny's life was head trainer Mike Williams and he's still a trainer at Utah State and he joins us now here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Mike, thanks for your time today.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you guys calling.
0: Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you hadn't been... Had you been with Utah State for very long before you became like the, the head trainer at that moment, or at least the, the trainer involved with, uh, uh, with basketball?
2: I had. I had. At that point, uh, I had been here, I believe, 14 years. 13, oh. 14 years. Oh, gosh. Um, You've been then, here for a while. And then have... after that, the next year, I was made the head athletic trainer. So I was the assistant... Uh, and basketball was my main responsibility at that point.
0: Yeah, sorry, I, I have forgotten just how long you've been attached to this university. Yeah, I'm, I'm
2: getting old. I'm getting old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so um, it, walk us through that that day. And if uh, as I've just kind of set that up, that it was a it was a practice. it' was it in the spectrum or was it, um, it somewhere else where the team was practicing?
2: It was in the spectrum, and it was the day before our BYU game. Uh, so it really wasn't that hard of a practice. And it was really just kind of a normal day for us, day before, you know, the bus was, was out front getting ready to take us down to the BYU game that night. And uh, if I remember right, it was kind of toward the end of practice. And it was, you know, watching uh, DeMar Hamlin, it was, it was similar. Danny didn't take a hit uh, like DeMar did. But the drill had just gotten over, and he walked was walking off the court and and just collapsed so nothing nothing extremely exertional no no big hit um just a straight up cardiac event
1: so like what's the is there an is there an initial reaction for you at that moment or is it just instinct where you just immediately go into you know you know administering medical care at that point
2: yeah it's uh, some of it's instinct some of it's experience um and I was actually down at the other end of the court, uh, and I I saw him go down. I, I stood up to walk down there, and and you could tell that it wasn't, you know, a guy a guy sprains an ankle or something. They're rolling around, so it's not like absolutely urgent. But you could tell there was no motion, there was no movement, there was no nothing. So so I ran down there, um, and uh, you, you initially at the, at the time I was actually our uh, CPR instructor for. Our athletics department. So, I taught courses every year on it, and so that that just kind of kicks in. That you, you look down, you check the pulse. Um, he had he had started to turn uh, lips started to turn blue, lack of oxygen. Started CPR. Uh, called for the AED. Uh, our our student manager. You know, a few things that that I don't know if people really remember. Our student manager actually went and got the AED, and um, our uh, he brought it down, and our assistant coach Cody Feeger is the one who actually brought it over and handed it to me. So, and that all happened. And that was within within a minute and a half to two minutes, if I remember right. We had the AED on him, and that's that's really what saved his life.
0: Now, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I know this has been ten years, and there's a lot yeah. that I've forgotten, but if I'm not mistaken, it was it was not really commonplace to have an AED device in. A lot of uh, facilities like they are now, and that was kind of a big deal that that you you guys even had one at the time. Is 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 that is that correct? It
2: it is. We we actually had uh, one or two in our department, and um and uh, we didn't we had one in the spectrum, but that one at that time actually somebody had called uh, the Ryan Gomes Foundation uh, had had talked to us. Uh, I don't remember if it was that summer before. But they actually donated one, and that happened to be the one that was in the training room at the Spectrum. So that's the one we used. And since then, I mean, some things that happened right after that, we uh, we had to go. Daddy and I had to go down to the state legislation. And at that point, they didn't even have them in police cars. So um, they passed legislation. If I remember right, it was about three hundred thousand dollars a year that was going to go to AEDs. So. They're trying to get them in all police cars, and I'm not sure how many in the state now have them, but, but a lot of them do because of that incident. And our campus, we went out, and I don't, I don't remember the numbers that we bought, but every building on campus now has AEDs all because of that situation. So, really raised a lot of awareness, which, you know, it turned out it was a good thing from that standpoint. So, no, it was not commonplace at that then, but I, I don't think people knew, the general public didn't know how how effective they are at saving a life. I mean, CPR, all that does is push push the oxygen, push the blood around, get that flowing a little bit. The AED is what really restarts the heart.
1: So you tell us a little bit about, you know, the obvious there's in the moment where you're trying to just, you know, emergency, you don't know, restart a heart or, or get the vitals going. Like, what's the whole process of recovering from something like that like where you know, your heart stops? Like what is the long-term recovery and rehabilitation from that? You know, Danny obviously came back and played basketball. But, yeah. You know, what's it like just maybe getting back to normal, you know, in a near-death you know, experience? That,
2: that's, a hard, that's a hard question because there are so many variables of how long before you got an AED, how, how much uh, oxygen deprivation was there, how long before they got him down to the hospital and get the heart cooled down to decrease the swelling. So Danny's was fortunate. And, and since this incident, I actually – um, Coach Durier reached out to me the other day uh, after this happened, just to say it brought up memories and stuff. And um, after it, after it happened with Danny, um, there really wasn't there, there was a lot of outpouring of support from the community. So that was that was really nice. And Danny's recovery, because it happened in the gym, because we had the AED, because I mean, I remember I was doing the the CPR, put the AED on, and it shocked him. And I had, the pulse came back. I remember turning around and seeing the campus police and the EMTs coming down the tunnel in the Spectrum. So, I mean, that was three, four minutes. And because we're such a small town, the ambulance is so close, he didn't have much damage. And for him to have full memory, like he remembered uh, um, passing out. So it was, he was an unusual case and it was very fortunate, but they can be anything to where they do have, you know, maybe some brain damage, maybe some oxygen deprivation damage. Um, And recovery is basically just education of retraining yourself, retreating yourself. Danny was up and back at the game that, that Saturday. And um, he was in a sling for, I don't know, three, four weeks. And then he, he started our summer workouts that next summer. So once once everything is restored and the heart is healthy, you in some cases you can get right back into activity within a few months. But um, it really depends on how much damage is done. And in in this case, watching it and I, I've been following it pretty closely. Um, and and the staff there seemed like they did an incredible job with their emergency plan. So hopefully, he was getting oxygen. Uh, to his brain through their CPR, and, and they restarted the heart. So hopefully, there's not much damage. But the, the prayers are that you know that he, he recovers and has a full recovery. And, but in a cardiac arrest, it can be anything from full recovery to death. And there's a wide array of things that can happen um, uh, for that recovery. And uh, I wish I could give you a more clear answer on you, you sprain an ankle, you ice it, you get swelling down, you get range of motion, you get strength back. Um, a cardiac arrest is is way different than that.
0: You we know, were talking to uh, Mike Williams, head trainer for Utah State Athletics, who was uh, on the scene when, uh, a little over ten years ago, Danny Berger, basketball player for Utah State, collapsed in practice. Uh, had a, a cardiac um, incident himself. Different situation than what we saw on Monday Night Football and how it occurred. Um, but for when that when that uh, event happened this week, uh, you've kind of already alluded to it, but. How many people have reached out to you, and what has it been like for you kind of reliving that moment that you were involved with 10 years ago?
2: You know, I actually haven't had very many people uh, reach out to me. Um, I've, had a, I've had a few, and, and it's, it's been nice. I, I have followed it. It, it, it. It's hard to say because I was never comfortable with Danny um, until they had the ventilator out, until he was talking, until he was up and around because you just don't you don't know what direction it's going to go until all that happens. So that's when I became comfortable of okay, he's he's, he's good, he's back. So um it it has made me relive a lot of that stuff like I like I see I got on yesterday and was was looking at some of the news articles and everything from back then and um the emotions, the TV seeing all the players around. I remember when this first happened, I mean the reporters were actually Walking into the spectrum because they were they were going to do post practice interviews for the game the next day, and they they walk in and they see an ambulance out front, and I made them ask some questions and i, I went up into the training room, and one of the players was up there, the majority of them had gone to the locker room because so they came down when it happened, coach sent everybody to the locker room well they, they didn't go to the locker room they they came down, some of them stood in the tunnel and I went up to the training room right after, and one of them was up there just crying. And so for me to see, you know, those players and those coaches, that's the stuff. I, I didn't pay attention to that when it happened with Danny because I was busy with Danny. But afterwards, seeing that, seeing the, the guys, you know, going down to the hospital, Coach Moore going down to the hospital, all that, those are the memories that kind of brought up, the, the feelings of the family. And, you know, you just kind of pray for all of them and hope that it all works out.
1: So you kind of touched on this, but like, how just emotionally taxing is it on you know a team? You're there in the locker room and with the team. Like, obviously, Danny got better. He said you know pretty quick where he was all all right. They knew he'd be all right. But like, how emotionally taxing is it on a team for something like that to happen, and they have to turn around and uh, you know play a basketball game within you know a handful of days?
2: Yeah, it's it's extremely taxing. It's really hard. And in our case, we were fortunate that he did survive. So that that made it. You know, the, the game was a little bit of a celebration of him being back. So, if it would have gone the other way and there would have been permanent damage or, or even death, I, that would have been, you know, to play a game four days later. That it would have been really, really hard. I, I don't know if you can get that out of your head of watching that, and um, you would you would hope that everybody eventually will move on, but those are tragic events and. He, he, to, to turn around and play and play at your best a few days later, I, that would be extremely taxing. It would be really hard on the staff, you know, the medical staff. That Like, it would have been really hard on me knowing that you do everything you can and it still doesn't work out the way you, you would want it to work out. So it, it's emotionally draining, um, even just being down in the hospital and just waiting, and, and that's all you can do is wait. and. That that stuff will wear on you. It wears on players. It wears on coaches. And we again, we were fortunate that it came out the way it did.
0: One of the things that um, you know, the the incident this Monday has has done is kind of focused our attention on people like you, or the, the trainers that are on the field, first responders, and their right. job and their role, and how quickly they jumped into action to you know, save a life and right. just. As you've kind of looked at the incidents from this week, what did you observe and what they did on the field and how they responded to a situation that was playing out in front of, well, on national
3: television?
2: Yeah, you know, I, and I, I don't know them, so to say, but I know the NFL has emergency action plans, which we do at universities and, and I would hope all high schools do. To me, it seemed like they, they did an exceptional job with what they were doing when you're on the field with any athlete you don't you don't think about tv you don't think about national recognition you don't f- watching you are focused on that person so i i would doubt they really thought about much of that until after the fact when they're reliving it seeing it on tv so that's it, being on that stage and at that level that's that's something that they are trained for but they're still human beings you know, they, they still have to deal with all the emotions and everything, the the, the spotlight and the money and all that of the NFL. It can't take away that. These are these are still real people that we're talking about.
1: So uh, just kind of one more question for me. Like, so, you know, we mentioned Danny did come back. Like, what was that, you know, first game back when he first, you know, steps out into the court? And what was like that, I guess, like for you and for the whole team, uh, just seeing him not only survive, but uh, be able to, you know, live his dream and play college basketball again if just for, you know, one more season.
2: Yeah, you know, for him it was a year, year later because it was the next fall. And so it was, it was rewarding to see it, the emotion. By that time he'd been through a lot of practice and stuff, so it was, it was just Danny, you know, it was just another, another, another practice, another game. But, um, but if it would have been, like if he came back like three or four weeks later, it would have been a whole different story. But you, you, the emotion, uh, in, in this case, kind of wore off. You were grateful, but it's like, okay, it happened. It, it, it's over. You're back. You're better. You're good. Let's go on with life. And he took that approach, and I took that approach. And, and I was excited for him. I was happy for him. But um, it, was, it was a year later, so we had to have time to process everything as we moved on.
0: Did you have any, like, anxiety level any time he stepped on the court that maybe something else could happen again, or was it once he had the device implanted in his chest and you'd seen him in practices that that's kind of been moved on?
2: Yeah. I actually didn't, but, uh, you know, Dr. Jared Bunch um, was the cardiologist that worked with him, and we had several conversations about, Doc, are you sure this is good? And, I mean, he's he's got a defibrillator in his chest, so if it ever happens again it'll shock him and then I don't have to. So I, I really never had any anxiety um, with him playing, you know, the first couple of practice, maybe you kind of keep an eye on it. But after that, it was just normal, go play basketball. Um, I don't know if he really had any anxiety. I don't remember talking to him specifically about that at that point. Um, but I, I, after that, he went and played in Europe for a while. So um, he must not have been too worried about it.
0: I guess last question for me, just as as people really around the, the country are kind of seeing this thing unfold with with uh, with Hamlin and, and just you know, what uh, as a medical professional, as a trainer. I mean, any advice you could give people as we're just kind of waiting to see what what happens here or what could could still unfold? Or is it just hope and put our faith in in the professionals that are working with uh, with DeMar right now and his family?
2: Right now, I think that's all you can do is you hope and pray for him. Um, there, there's not much else you can do. They sound like they're at an exceptional clinic. Um, they've got top-notch care. Um, so it's it's just he's, he's fighting right now, is my my guess. And you you've, you've got to pray, and that's about all we can do to support him. You know, support the families. I've noticed his uh, his charity has has raised millions of dollars, which I think is a great thing, um, but. Other than that, it's just keep the family and the and the and him specifically, and and then the other athletes, the other teammates, keep them in the thoughts and prayers.
0: Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on and joining us. I know it was super short notice, but uh, it's a it's a unique perspective, uh, a local perspective on, on a national story. And we we'll always appreciate uh, uh, you ending you know, lending some of your experience and expertise. And uh, what a, what an experience that you had to go through. And uh, this university kind of family went through over, about a decade ago um, with a similar situation playing out on in the in the, na- in the nation, really, with uh, Monday Night Football. So yeah. thanks so much for coming on on short notice and talking about
2: it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you guys, and uh, good luck with everything. All right, thank you. Right, Once care.
0: again, uh, Mike Williams, head trainer for Utah State Athletics, um, and uh, reliving what happened 10 years ago in a practice at Utah State basketball, Danny Berger collapsed with the cardiac incident um, and a little different circumstances as to what caused it, but still nonetheless very traumatic just to be around and be a part of. Uh, we're up against the timeout we need to take. Uh, we'll do that and uh, be back here on the Full Court Press.
4: Nothing compares to the warmth and feel that a wood stove provides. The two-time Best of Northern Utah winning team says there's never been a better time to replace your old inefficient wood stove and install a new energy-efficient EPA-certified Vermont casting wood product in your home. The U.S. government is offering federal tax credits of 26% on your wood stove install. For Vermont casting units, that include stoves, bending, and labor. Call or email Advanced Fireplace and Stove for a free in-home estimate. Call 357527272 or go to advancedfireplaceandstove.com As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a
1: steep and rocky mountain to climb. This is Brett Green, President of Cash Valley Bank. To conquer this mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC.
4: For
0: more than a century, Essie Needham Jewelers has been repairing jewelry and watches in Cash Valley. We do all our work on-premises, and you may even talk directly with our expert technicians. We also have today's state-of-the-art equipment, including a laser welder that will repair jewelry with precision. We guarantee our work and offer competitive prices. So whether repairing your precious wedding ring, sizing a ring, or simply changing a watch battery, come to Utah's oldest jewelry store today's newest technology and repair. hesse Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. This is
3: Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cash Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com.
4: Les Olson IT
3: structured cabling is second to none. Tired of old and inefficient cabling? Have an upgrade or remodel planned? Building a new network from the ground up? We offer the very best in low voltage cabling installation, including data, phone, fiber optic and more. Ask us how to get your free consultation today. Les
4: often,
3: IT
0: Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit jobs.thermofisher.com
4: and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
0: Welcome back to the Full Court Press here at France and Jason Walker. I really appreciate Mike Williams joining us on on short notice. Uh, I reached out to him earlier in the day, um, left him a message, and uh, he was calling me back just as we were getting the show going, and said, "Yeah, I'm I'm ready now." <laughs> so we got him on, and uh, I, I remember it vividly. Uh, Al was going up; he was one of those guys that was going up to the arena to do post practice interviews. And um, and I remember it started to catch uh, some steam to other people <coughs> um, in the state uh, and other uh, journalists because I mean it's Utah State BYU I mean there's a lot of in-state people that are in, that were interested about the game and um, started hearing some initial stuff that. This game's not going to happen. And thinking, what? What's going on? And then all they would say is that there was a medical incident in practice initially. And I thought, well, somebody got hurt. Okay, you know, rolled an ankle. Maybe somebody blew a knee. Now, that's not good. But i hearing stories about players that were leaving just totally distraught. And leaving the arena just beside themselves. And... I just that wasn't even entered my mind that a player could have just collapsed and had a cardiac event and have his heart stop yeah, until you, later in the evening as more information became available.
1: Yeah, you, you just don't really see that on a regular basis, and we kind of talked about this yesterday, where it's like it happens, but you don't ever think it's going to happen to the to a team you follow, and it happened here. You know, I was just getting here in Logan, starting school, and it's like, oh yeah, one of the players almost died by the way. It's like, oh didn't think that happened like you know again you see like black and white footage of players collapsing in diamonds like yeah, it's super rare and it nearly happens here and by golly Danny Berger was looking about seven different ways the you know you hear about all this stuff oh we happen to have one of these we put in recently and oh I happen to be the CPR <laughs> instructor granted you would have done CPR anyway being you know athletic trainer and all that but it's like yeah, like you know I know all this stuff and we have all this equipment
0: and it was right there like I think I think and first I, responders were nearby Yeah. and respond quickly.
1: Yeah, it's like I think I walk by the AED like I think it's in the in the hallway so it's like it's it's short running distance away. It's like yeah, it's 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 really lucky when you're there and you know in the NFL they obviously have all that stuff on hand so even if you, you do have this kind of incident there's people on hand who can help you. And even nowadays, you know, high schools and smaller colleges, with the measures that they take, now there can be at least, maybe it's not as good in, as the NFL, but at least it's something. And that something can save people's lives, and has saved people's lives. We have one example here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, that's, uh, it, it, it has brought back a lot of memories of that event uh, uh, you know, 10, from 10 years ago. That was early December. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Utah State um, getting ready to play BYU I, I think the game would was, was going to be in Provo if I remember correctly, uh, but uh, it, it was it, you know something like that happens in front of your eyes it's not an easy thing to just get back into your routines. And that's something that the NFL has been talking about today, is that they continue to have discussions with the Buffalo Bills and their organization and their players' representatives. Like the, the game against the, the Patriots might also be affected by this. Um, and that's what they're trying to determine, is, is Buffalo and their organization, are they in a frame of mind where they could host a football game on Sunday... Or do they delay it and try to push it off a little bit longer just to give this team a little bit more time to, to, to deal with their emotions? Uh, as it seems like reports today, the latest, which isn't a lot, but the reports from several different people close to the situation there in Cincinnati seem to indicate that uh, DeMar Hamlin is stable. Uh, and showing improved signs of recovery, but uh, he's still in very critical condition.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is that it se- the signs seem to be pointing toward at least him living. But you know, talking with Mike's like there's a whole spectrum of you know from you know just you know dying because of something like this, and full recovery. and He could be anywhere on that. <coughs> so we'll we'll see to what end you know, Hamlin makes a full recovery. And I, I feel like his status, you know, his own status could play an impact on the Bills being able to play cuz if if news come out that okay, Hamlin's going to be fine, maybe he's, you know, woken up and is speaking and you know, seems to be all right. Um I think the Bills would be a lot more ready to play. Sure it'd be really tough emotionally, but there'd be there'd be a sigh, of, you know, this relief that kind of washes a lot of that away and you can play with some renewed vigor.
0: Yeah, when when we, I mean we see this all the time. We see it every year uh a and, and a player goes down on the field. Uh he has to be uh carded off the field. But um you know it, invariably you'll see the player give a thumbs up or something as he's been taking off the field and people will clap like, "Oh, okay, he's He's at least, you know, giving us the sign he can move his arms and his legs, you know, whatever. Okay, he'll he'll be okay. But they don't have that that sense with Hamlin yet. And so there's still this dark cloud over the entire organization until they get some response from him. And I don't it who knows if they'll ever get that response from him. Hopefully they, they will at some point. But as of right now, they still don't.
1: Yeah, so we're just Waiting on good news. That's what we're hoping for. Is you get some good news. Because you hit around the head where it's like. Once you get that. You know the thumbs up. Then you know that there's a rough road ahead. When a player leaves a game. And he's got his head strapped to a board. It's like okay this isn't. This isn't you know. Fun and games. This is real, real stuff. Or they have their leg. Wrapped in this giant. You know bionic cast. Okay we know that's not going to be. Fun. we know that's a big deal, but we know they're going to be okay. And maybe their life may be somewhat permanently affected, but they're going to be okay. We don't know that DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay.
0: Right, because we, we, we have a mountain of evidence of people who have experienced these other injuries, and we've seen them recover with varying degrees, but sometimes even get back on the field and still very effective at what they do. It, there's some time, but we've seen, we've seen this many times over, how these players can come back from some of these injuries or at least we know that they can still lead a life uh, but we don't know that about Hamlin yet so uh, the NFL sounds like they are doing the right thing and giving Buffalo time to figure this out Um, and one of the proposals on the table that looks like it may be gaining a little bit more steam what they end up doing is they they may end up Pushing things back and and doing away with the uh, that that bye week, that open week, I should say, between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, just to give some time to get some of these games figured out because it's we're near the end. Of, we're at the end of the season where they still have to figure out standings and who gets home field advantage and things like that. And Buffalo is still very much in play about getting that first round bye and having home home field advantage which is important to their franchise for the playoffs but what's really important right now is you know their teammate that's the that's a primary focus of their concern right now
1: yeah that's ultimately the the primary focus which is why you have to put all this off we have to address this before we get to the the issue and it will be an issue of all right we have to try and maintain some level of integrity to the season and so that's an issue that they'll have to deal with eventually sounds like they're trying to work on it cause, you know you know well, while we're waiting for news might as well prepare for this
0: yes have so, contingencies in place
1: yeah so obviously we all know what they really care about but life does go on and they have to try and figure this out
0: uh, all right need to take another time out here in the full court press uh, love to hear from you on our full court press text line 435-339-0321 uh, other things to discuss today Uh, It's would-you-rather Wednesday here in the full-court press. Certainly we have the big recognition that was announced today for a former Aggie uh, basketball great. uh, And Utah Jazz on yet again the wrong side of a close game uh, so a lot more to talk about here in the full court press 435-339-0321
4: when it comes to home care it's important to know you have a choice if you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services remember that primrose home care and hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem we work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs our team is devoted to providing options in the freedom and safety of your own home visit us at PrimroseCare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since
3: 2006. This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We are humbled by and grateful for the tremendous support we have been shown since opening our doors nearly two years ago. So we just want to say thank you. On behalf of everyone at White Pine, first and foremost, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege of serving you and caring for your loved ones. Additionally, Thank you for voting White Pine the best mortuary in Cache Valley in both 2021 and 2022.
1: White Pine.
3: We're heading into some crazy weather this winter,
0: which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac Automatic Standby Generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac Automatic Standby Generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac Automatic Standby Generators. Power you can count on. It's never too late or too cold to get rid of that old vehicle. Now is the time to earn extra cash by calling DD Auto & Salvage. Let them pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto & Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your drunker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto & Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204
3: today.
0: See store for details.
4: It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
0: Napa Auto Parts, five locations between Preston and Providence. They sponsor, Dan Patrick, above the noise segment coming up in just a little bit. Uh, full court press text line 2305 texting in. Basketball, how many on the current roster for USU will not be back next season?
1: That's a question I need to tackle because I'm not 100% sure. I know Taylor Funk and Dan Akin won't be. And I don't think Dorius will either. But I'm only one hundred percent confident about Funk and Atkin.
0: Yeah, their eligibility expires. Um, as
1: far as COVID years, I think just about everyone else has like a COVID year available. Um, I've heard rumors that some may just want to end their basketball career. You know, either way, there was several football players that did that, where they have a year of eligibility, but they just want to move on with their life. I yeah. don't know if I can't confirm i'll probably try and tackle that sometime i'm in the middle of bringing up a football roster um but yeah, i'm not sure with basketball i know they've brought in three recruits i think three or four actually so there's some space opening up on the roster
0: no it's a it's a fair question uh and i'm not i'm not sure i i know the answer so but Cause, it's
1: because Bearstow's a senior I think he has an extra year available. I'm pretty sure. And then, I think Ryland Jones is a senior.
0: Um, yeah, Dan Akin, Sean Berstow, Trevin Dorius R.J. Adelrock, Taylor Funk, Rylan Jones. Those are your seniors. Um, but yeah, the, think- uh, the, the question about the the COVID el- eligibility. That's a, a good question. I know, like you, I'm, I'm, I'm positive Dan Akin and, and, uh, and um, Taylor Funk have used up all of their eligibility after this year. Uh, I think Trevin and RJ are in that same boat, but yeah, I'm think, not entirely sure. I think
1: Trevin had a redshirt year back in, like, 2018. Then he, like, went on a mission, came back, and has now used his four years of eligibility well, granted, there's a COVID year, so I don't know if he's getting another another one. <laughs> but I think they might get it because Dorius and Jones, I think, are both. Dorius is in his fifth year, I think. I think Jones is in his fourth because I don't think he redshirted at Utah. I think he just played as a true freshman.
0: Uh, that's a good question. And so yeah, He could I'm only be sure. in his
1: fourth year. So like I said, I think a lot of the roster can come back with only a couple of exceptions.
0: Uh, coming up uh, next hour, we'll get into some of the other news of the day. Big news coming out of Utah State Athletics, speaking about basketball. One of the Aggie greats will have a special recognition and honor. Uh, that we'll talk about that next hour. Uh, also, uh, you know, Utah Jazz were in action last night. Competitive game against Sacramento. Looks like they... Had a shot to win it at the end. Well, the shot went in, but just a tenth of a second too late. Uh, and then Utah State also picked up a win on the road without having made a field goal in the final eight and a half minutes of the game. Can they play other Mountain West uh, op- opponents on the road like that and still come out victorious? Um, we'll we'll discuss that because there was uh, several other in- interesting games in the Mountain West last night. Uh, and it did affect... The, uh, the 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 standings in the net the net rankings uh, when you look at the standings in the mountain West right now Utah State is tied with Nevada and San Diego State as the only teams that are 2 and0 right now in conference play uh, New Mexico lost on the road uh, at Fresno San Jose State lost on the road at Boise uh, so it's uh, it's It's not easy to win a game in the Mountain West Conference. And uh, the game this weekend against Boise State, it's going to be a quad one game for both teams. Uh, For both Utah State, considering where uh, Boise is right now in the standings, and uh, for Boise where USU is in the standings. So this is a quad one game all around. uh, And uh, it's going to be a big test for the Aggies. And we'll get into more of that as the week goes on, uh, looking into that big matchup. But... uh, appreciate those of you sticking with us on our AM while we get our FM signal figured out and our online stream. Uh, We did talk to Mike Williams earlier in the hour. We'll make sure we make that available in as many different ways as possible. Great conversation with him about Danny Berger and uh, Utah State and how it affected the Aggies when he went down 10 years ago with a cardiac incident, Uh, and certainly in context of what's being Uh, play it out nationally
3: as well. So more coming up next hour on the Full court. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. In the NBA, pure athleticism can allow you to dominate. But there's also a downside to committing to freakish size. Look at Yao Ming, number one overall pick back in 2002. He played just eight seasons after consistently battling ankle and foot injuries. 2007 saw a similar story with Greg Oden. The Ohio State Center dominated college basketball thanks to a seven foot frame. He started just 66 Total games over his seven-year career due to injuries. With the history of supersized athletes in the NBA, plenty have started to question the longevity of the Pelican star Zion Williamson. Yesterday, it was announced he is going to miss at least three weeks due to a hamstring strain. He's averaged just under 26 points per game in his career, so it's not fair to compare him to a draft bust like Greg Oden. But if the former Duke star continues to struggle to stay on the floor consistently, Williamson's recent max extension could be a cause for concern. New Orleans. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above the Noise.